How would you like to improve your relationship? How would you like to respond differently in a way that facilitates mutuality and encourages connection? We look forward to addressing these issues together and welcome you to Ask Arlo, a program that seeks to help you identify negative patterns and respond in new ways that can promote a more positive relationship. Now, here is the host of Ask Arlo, Arlene Majorano. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Arlene Majorano, and I'm here with my guest today, Emma Viglucci. Did I say that right? Uh, two Italians, right? Our, our names are hard to say, but um, and we're, we're going to be working on, uh, we're going to be talking today about such an important topic, how to survive an affair and infidelity in an, you know, in a monogamous relationship. And, um, and yeah, maybe we're going to talk about some of the reasons that that might happen. And Emma has worked out a whole uh, protocol, 10 steps for moving uh, toward healing after an affair. And um, when I said a monogamous relationship, I think it's really important to, um, to talk about that just as a little intro, because people have multiple sexual partners and it's no big deal as long as that's their agreement. As long as that's the um, mutually agreed upon protocol, then they figure out a way to manage it. And it's not a betrayal. It is simply not a betrayal. But when there's um, a commitment to monogamy and a commitment to not having uh, other relationships, then the issue isn't so much the other relationship, it's the betrayal, right, Emma? Would you agree with that? And the betrayal can sometimes feel so profound and so damaging that that's what people ultimately have to work on together. Um, so, uh, yeah, because we bond, if we bond in that way with another person, you know, in some ways we're duplicating our early childhood bonds and we're, um, we have an agreement and the agreement can be changed. We can talk about it. We can um, say that we might want to change it and work it out among ourselves. But if it's not talked about and it's just done in secrecy, that is where we create such a problem and such a feeling of betrayal. Uh, Emma, I don't know if you want to say anything else about that. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me and inviting me to your podcast. I am honored to be here with you today. Um, Secondly, I agree with everything that you said. Um, People do have different arrangements in their relationships and that works for them. There was a problem when there is a supposedly a supposed arrangement that people are not honoring, right? So if we both think that we're in an exclusive committed relationship, but one of us doesn't act as such, then there is a betrayal, there's a rupture to that attachment, there is a break-in of that bond, uh, of that commitment, and a hurting to that bond. And that's where the pain and the devastation happens for the person that find out that the other person went outside of that agreement, right? So definitely everything that you said makes sense to me. Um, and we're not here pro- necessarily promoting um, exclusive relationships, even though, of course, um, most of us believe that that's the way to go. But if you have a different opinion or a different preference, by all means, that's on you. Or if you want to change your arrangement, that's on you. But the key is to have in that conversation, right? To re, right. re, re, 
resetting up whatever the arrangement is so that everybody is safe emotionally and otherwise um, and nobody gets hurt. You know, it's interesting as you're talking, I'm realizing that applies to so many things, but it probably, it, 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 it applies to sexual relationships more, more profoundly probably than any other thing. But if you're, let's just say I have an agreement with my husband that um, I don't spend more than $500 on shoes. <laughs> I'm just making that up. Not that I ever would spend more than $500 on shoes. And, and then I wanted to. But let's just say then I want these Gucci shoes so badly that I secretly go behind his back and secretly take money from the checking account and buy and don't say that I'm buying the shoes. And then he finds out like two months later when the accountant does the taxes. That's a similar thing, right? The the betrayal is the lie. And um, and and it's incrementally greater when, you know, it's not shoes, but when it's sexual acting out, but um, yeah, but, but we want to know that we matter to the other person. And we want to know that they're going to tell us the truth about what they're not going to keep a secret from us, no matter what the secret is. That's right. Yeah. So the betrayal is not necessarily going outside the bonds, um, but it's, it's about the secrecy and the lying about it and the covering up and, and all the shenanigans that might happen to, to keep the secret. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. So that's why I created this, this um, protocol called Thriving After Infidelity. And I designed 10 steps for helping partners move from the discovery of that affair to thriving in love. Right. When, when you do those steps, are you going to talk about this one sentence that you said in, in the article you wrote that I also totally agree upon, which is that, um, you know, the symptom, the affair is not, it's not the problem isn't the, the, the problem isn't so much the affair, but it's a symptom of a greater problem in the relationship. And so in, in those 10 steps, are we going to address that? Like what, what are, what's the, you know, the underlying yeah. issue? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that's so important, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. So All right. that is the context, right? Of why there's an affair. Right. Um, so, it, so I was going to say that we move from, I named it like this, move from discovery to thriving in love because people have the, in my opinion, the misconception that because somebody cheated that they're out. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of people do actually much better after the infidelity, right? right because right. they highlighted and spotlighted that there's an issue. Um, so that's how most of us who work with couples like to look at this. Right, that the affair is not the death of the relationship per se, is a flag that something needs to change. And that's why somebody went to get their needs met somewhere else. Um, right. And staying together is also a, a real like statement of commitment after an affair. It's such a big statement of commitment that this relationship means more to me than continuing this affair. So I am, and, and also, um, the relationships mean so much to me that I'm going to find a way to forgive you. And we're going to figure out a way to, so the, the statement that the relationship matters so much is really an important statement that I think helps people bond after the affair. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. But before that statement even gets made, what happens is that the partner, the partner that found that, that the cheating happened, they're freaking out. Right. Yeah. And so the first step is to regroup, like, let me just chill out and not, and not throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
right? Before mm-hmm. I make, decide that I make a commitment, like it's hard to recommit, make that recommitment to like, okay, we're going to work through this affair. If I'm freaking out and I hate your guts right now, right? I'm going to be able to do that. And so the first step is regrouping, soothing, taking a deep breath and not making any decisions until I gave my thinking capabilities again and I'm not raging and, and bugging out. So that's step one. Um, and then is, okay, so how do I make sure that I'm okay so I can make the right decisions, right? And resourcing myself. And also the person that's freaking out is not the only one that's freaking out. The partner that got discovered, they're freaking out too because they don't know what you're going to do. Right, right. <laughs> Right. And so everybody needs to take a chill pill at this stage and resource themselves so they can make the proper decisions. What does resource themselves means? This is step two. It means putting all the self-care in place, making sure that you get your sleep, making sure that you watch what kind of um, behaviors you might be doing that actually put you out of the proper place of making the right decisions, right? Like some people might be doing all this searching everything and, and going like in really compulsive behaviors or getting trash or, or losing their, their um, sobriety or whatever, like people freak out and then they, they make things worse, right? So step two is how do you resource yourself in a way that then you, you have the stamina, the resilience, Number one, first, make the decision that's right for you and your family and your relationship. And secondly, you have the stamina to do the work, right? Um, mm-hmm. at, that, at this juncture is where the partners come together and they say, okay, what are we going to do, right? What does this mean for us? And this, this is what's so important about what you said, Arlene, that, that this is where that recommitment gets made, right? Where the partners get to say to each other, okay, you know what? Yes, we want to give this a shot. We're going to rebuild the trust, see what the heck happened, why are we here, and create something amazing after, right? Um, and at this juncture, usually the couples are a little hesitant. They don't, they don't know that they could do it. They're in so much pain. Um, they don't know what happened. They don't know what's up and what's down. And um, this is where, where getting on the same page is very important, right? So then this brings us right, to and step Can two. I just add something? Like it, it's easy to, obviously, the person who's been cheated on is in enormous pain, um, because they're feeling so betrayed. But the other person, the person who did the cheating, um, they, they, they were in some illusion that they could get away with this, that it wasn't really going to hurt their marriage that much. They weren't going to get caught. Um, they got seduced into something. And they're also in pain when they get caught because they feel they see the pain that they've caused the, caused the person that they love. And um, and the, the guilt that they experience often is so intense, and they're also in enormous pain. Um, and maybe they have to give up this other relationship, but I, I think that the, the primary pain is understanding how much guilt they've caused and how much um, that they thought they were just going to get away with something and it was going to be no big deal and not cause too much trouble. And then it, it ends up causing so much pain to this person they love. So it's mutual, right? Mutual pain. Exactly. So that's why I have step one and two, right? Like, so everybody just relax and take a chill pill and resource yourself and soothe because everybody's in pain for, from different sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right? One is because it's devastated by the betrayal. The other one is because of the guilt and the shame and remorse right. and everything else. Potentially, some people don't have that, right? But we're talking about like within normal range. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but so absolutely that guilt and just seeing your partner be so hurt, right? And and the fear of like what my partner's going to do, they might leave my butt, right? Um, so, right. 
So then what does this mean for us and for our family? I didn't mean to create all this chaos, all this, right, all this disruption. Um, it wasn't supposed to, it's just a fling or just whatever. Or the other person's really important to them. And then it's like, they're in a lot of pain because now they have to, they might lose both people, right? Um, or they have to stop the person, the affair person. So that's, there's a loss in that too. Right, right. And they have to figure out how there's another ambivalence with the current partner. So the whole thing is just a very messy and very emotional, right? So that's why the step one and two have to do with soothing, resourcing, so that all that stuff could be managed properly. Make sense? Right. Yeah. So then that brings us to step three, and this is where we do the full disclosure, right? Because if the partner who did the cheating, they know what happened. The other partner doesn't know. No matter how much digging they did and how much facts they found, they still don't know what was inside the other person's head, how they felt, how they experienced things. And so full disclosure is getting all of the facts and all of the information out there in a structured way so that that is safe for the conversation to happen and for all the information to come out. So everybody has the same data. And then that's the foundation for rebuilding. If there's right. information that's withheld, then there are holes there and you can't build a foundation, uh, building on a holy foundation, right? Or unstable or not filled foundation. So that's what this disclosure is about. Sometimes, as, as you might know, obviously, um, people feel uncomfortable about this part. Like, I don't want to rehash things. I don't want to hurt, hurt, hurt his feelings by sharing what I did or how we went or how I felt. But the other person's already in pain and their creative mind is going to make it much worse. So having the facts is actually much better soothing for them. Right. Right. And, you know, it it almost goes against um, logic, like th- that idea is, seems more logical. Oh, let's just talk about it. Let's move on. But you say this and maybe two or three other articles that I've read say this. You have to ask as many. The, the, there has to be space to ask as many questions as the person who f- is cheated on feels like they can ask. What is why did you like this person? What did she look like? He looked like what? Uh, where did you go? All these questions that are so minute. And it's easy to say, well, just get over it. Don't ask them. What does it matter? But you have to, you have to be allowed to ask any question that you feel curious about as, as you know, the spouse who, who, who feels that they've been cheated on or betrayed. Yeah. And everybody agrees about that. Yeah. Right? Everybody yeah. writes about this. But what usually what I like to do at this juncture with the couple is the person that cheated feels really uncomfortable sharing all that information. And the other person is really curious, but they're really worried and nervous about hearing it. And so just so that uh, there's safety for the couple going through this, right, that it's very important that they understand that the disclosure is for their benefit. It's really uncomfortable in the moment. Um, but then if all your questions are answered, then you don't wonder anymore. The brain doesn't like questions and open, open-ended, you know, things. It keeps spinning and ruminating and looking for the answer. So just give it the answer and stop searching. <laughs> right. so, so be uncomfortable for a minute, be worried for a second, be repulsed and scared and grossed out for a minute, right? Whatever it is. Um, and then we get over it, right? And so don't withhold. If you, so I say to the affair, uh, the person that did the, the cheating, I say to the affair partner, if you have the information, share it. If you don't remember or you don't know, that's fine. And nobody has it. But if you withhold it, the energy is funky. The other person at some level knows and the brain's still looking, right? right. So let's put all that stuff to rest. Let's be as thorough as possible so we don't have to come back here. Because I've, I've been there before. And coming back to the story is 
things. <laughs> That's not pleasant, right? So let's get it all out in the first shot and then we can move on, right? Right, hopefully, yeah. And maybe somebody has to ask many times, you know, and hear it many times. That's right. That's right. So that, that's true. So we build that in there too, as part of the safety, which is um, let's go through the whole story. But remember that the other person's marinating a lot of feelings and a lot of stuff. They might even they might not remember what you heard. They might not believe it. So they might check in again. So the person who did the cheating needs to remember that they need to create that they need to create safety for their partner in as patiently as and as compassionately as they, as they could master to create that for them and to answer the, the questions as much as is needed. Because it goes away. If they, if they're like, "Well, what do you want to know?" Nah, let it go. Blah, blah. If, they, if they say stuff like that, then the other partner doesn't feel at ease, and they they get stuck, and they keep they then have a need to keep asking, right? So you're shooting yourself in the foot if you right. don't want to answer the questions. So just and you know, like with anything, they probably they're probably if if one person is overpowering with all the questions, and the other person is feeling too overloaded, and sh- they can make a deal that, okay, we'll spend 15 minutes a day, or um, you know, and then we'll have another time tomorrow and another time tomorrow until all the questions are answered. But um, they can work out a way to do it that isn't overwhelming to either of the partners, right? A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. Right. So whatever makes sense for them and to do it in a way that's respectful and, and relaxed and, and compassionate and caring. So there is grace for the partner that cheated, even though you might might be like, what do you mean, Grace? I want to kill them, right? <laughs> but just to, because just know that you're in this together, right? There's a reason why this happens. So if you could just have compassion for each other that you're in this predicament, and then we're going to get over it at some point. So we're going to, we're shooting for that. Um, so grace for the person that cheated, compassion for the person that got cheated on. So then you could work together on figuring this out. Um, and I love what you said, Arlene, right? So, so you, you could do it in segments to the tolerance level that you have and and keep the resource step two in play so so that you have the stamina right if you're not sleeping if you're not eating if you're not taking care of yourself then you're going to have less and less bandwidth to be able to withstand the toll that this takes right so definitely keep resourcing yourself and i think one of the most important things and i you know you could see how easily this would happen and i see like that down you a couple of steps you're talking about an apology and i always say you know either you, you either care about the other person and your impact on them, or you have to defend yourself, right? <laughs> Those are the two choices. And in, in this instance, especially, if somebody's asking too many questions, you can't, or a lot of questions, you can't say, what are you asking so many questions for? Get over it. Okay. You, you really have to say, okay, they need to ask the questions. And I am going to be available. And you, you have to hear the other side of, well, and maybe it works a little both ways. If they take a break, they say 15 minutes, the other person can say, okay, I need to ask these questions, but I see it's overwhelming. So there is a way to see both sides, but um, it's so important not to get defensive here. Yeah, yeah. And so I say to the, to the person that got cheated on to say, to ask the questions as gentle as possible, right? You're not going to hurt the other person a new one. You're not going to go after them. Um, because then you, the other person is going to be defensive or they might lie or cover up and then you're just shooting yourself on the foot, right? They don't want to be that uncomfortable. They're already uncomfortable. And so you want to make it as easy as possible for them to be able to answer the question. So then your needs get met, right? We're responsible right, for right. getting needs met. 
And so set it up so you get your needs met. So be kind and nice and gentle so that you could get what you need and so that the person can be there for you. And for the other person, if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you feel like it's too much or if you're feeling attacked, let the other person know, can we slow it down? Can we take a break? Do you mind the tone? Do you mind the, the language that you're using so I could sit here and stay here with you? Otherwise, I'm getting flooded. I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm, I'm getting riled up and I won't be able to, to give you what you need. Right. So it's just a collaboration at this juncture so that they could take care of each other. Yeah, so then that's the disclosure part. That's the hardest part of all of this, you guys. So uh, once you get over this piece, the next piece is understanding why this happened. And this is what you were talking about earlier, Arlene, right? So if you can put it in the context of, okay, this is just a red flag, right? It doesn't mean, and the whole thing about once a cheater, always a cheater, I hate that so much. (laughs) That's not necessarily true. Some people have addictions, some other things going on or self-esteem issues, other things, whatever. So there might be some truth to it, but it's not necessarily that. Right. For some, for some people, but for the large majority, I think not. Right. It's something that is idiosyncratic that happens because there's a problem in the relationship. That's right. So if you're talking to your friend or your family member or whatever, and they're like, what's the cheaters, the cheaters, get out. Please don't divulge all your things to all the people because they're going to give you the wrong advice. <laughs> so take a deep breath and understand that this doesn't have to be the end of your relationship. And this doesn't mean that your partner will cheat again. Right. Right. It might, but it's not necessarily 100 percent the truth. You know, we, we, we we're, one thing I think it's really important in terms of the context is. Whatever the problem is in the relationship, a person's feeling criticized, a person's feeling diminished, whatever it is, there also needs to be a third person, right? And it's like a perfect storm that's happening, right? So it's not, there there isn't necessarily a third person all the time, but it could, whatever, a new person that you work with, a person that you meet somewhere um, arbitrarily, there, this third person provides like um, an idealized, it becomes the idealized person that makes, uh, that just pulls you and attracts you in that way that when you meet somebody for the first time, we always idealize the person, right? Um, or usually <laughs> we idealize and, and then over time we get to see a whole person. But in terms of that perfect storm, in terms of that context, there has to be this person that's kind of a, come come from somewhere <laughs> and is just coming in at just the right time to be the antidote to whatever's going on or the salvation to whatever's going on in, in the relationship. Right. So I think what you're saying, Arlene, is that if there's space in a relationship for somebody to get in there, they will. Right. And so I think that part of the work is understanding um, you know, why was there a space as somebody? Right, 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 right. But I'm also saying that, yeah, somebody, if there's space to get in, somebody will. But there also has to be that external person who wants to get in or who's going to get in, who just, you know, think so, who just happens to be there. Like, you go, no, you go I don't, out and find yeah, that person. No, I don't agree with that. Because mm-hmm. I, Listen, if we're going to walk around being victims of people being attractive and seducing us, we're in trouble. <laughs> I, would, I would like to say that we have the power of saying no as much as I might like somebody else. That I'll, that I'll say, like, no, I'm not going to betray my partner. Right. Oh, I, I agree. But I'm just saying that just like you might meet somebody for the first time, like the spark has to be there with somebody else. It, 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 
and it might it might not be there. So that opportunity would not even present itself to have the affair. Right. right but- for sure. Sure. Okay. So there has to be an opportunity. But listen, people could go do all the other things, right, to betray. Um, I hear what you're saying. So there, there has to be the perfect storm of, okay, I have needs that are not being met. There's space in my relationship. There's things that are not working, whatever. And there's this thing here that's very attractive. I hear right. you. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I would like to clarify that sometimes that attraction, seduction, invitation is there and we don't necessarily need to go that route, right? So the person that cheated made the choice to go that right. route. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. That's also people cheat in all kinds of different ways, right? So they could cheat with overworking. They could cheat with, <laughs> with finances. They could cheat with the internet, they, whatever, right? So all different kinds of ways to leak energy out of the, the relationship. But of course, we're focusing on infidelity straight, straight up right now. Um, but that's why understanding what happened is important, right? So how were your needs met or not met? Um, obviously not met in this context. So this is all the ways I didn't get my needs were met. This is why and what was going on for you that my needs would, couldn't be met. And just kind of having a dialogue around what was happening for me, what was happening for you? How do we just totally miss this? Or why are we fighting so much? Or what are all the things going on in our relationship that's creating this nonsense, right? So just understanding the whole, the, the, all of the dynamics. And I'm not sure how deep you want me to go into that, but um, just understanding you know, my needs were not meant. And I guess how I chose to meet them, maybe not the best way, but there was a reason why I did this. Right. Um, and, and then for the other person to understand what was happening for their partner, and for the partner who cheated, also what was happening for the other partner that was that they were not able to be present in the relationship that is to happen, right? So, so right. how was that? It's not it's not anybody's fault. We're not blaming the partner who got cheated on for not meeting the partner's need that they had to go somewhere else. That's not what we're saying, right? Right, so right. For right. There was stuff happening for both people, and it's just this is the choice that was made, and so now we have to rectify it, right? And that's where we go next in this ten step process. Um, which the next step is step five, which is the transparency. So now we want to make sure that the affair discontinues if it's still going on. And what are the things that get put in place so that there's reassurance to the partner that was cheated on that the affair is discontinued and that the partner is now containing themselves and being as truthful and as available and as loyal as possible, right? Right. So all the all the things that whatever that means, you know, the social media, the emails, the job, the trips, like all the context, the gym, the club, la la la. People have all kinds of things in their lives, so you don't have to be transparent on everything. You could potentially be transparent on the things that that were relevant to the affair, um, but the partners get to make that choice. You know, depending on what kind of affair it was, and the level of intensity, and the length of time, and, and everything else then that's the level of transparency that they need to put in place. Covering right. And, and some, uh, just to, to add to that, some, um, like if it's somebody who you just meet in a different context and you could just break it off easily, and that's one thing. But if it's somebody, say, that you work with, we you're going to have to continue to see that person and maybe have um, lunch together in a group and, you know, have different ways that you have to meet that person then there have to be some rules and transparency about how those meetings take place and how that connection takes place. Cause that, that could, that's not easy to manage. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Some, some situations are really tricky. People cheat with people's best friends or siblings or family members. Like there's all kinds of things that people do. Right. So it gets more complicated. 
Um, but again, depending on what the relationships are and what the contexts are, then that's the rules that you put in place to take care of yourself and each other. Um, and so what I like to do here, usually with a partner that cheated, they get really uncomfortable around this, right? Because not only do they have to be transparent and they might be quite a few still being funky, which hopefully they're not. But aside from that, the rights to privacy are violated now, right? So if they're, they're, everything needs to be open. And so people might take offense to that regardless of cheating or not cheating, right? And so it might be difficult in, in different, from different angles. Um, so what I'd like to say to the person that cheated is, let's just set up whatever the, the agreements for the transparency for a period of time, a few weeks, a couple of months, three months, six months, whatever, depends on, again, what, on what the story is. And then at that point, it gets revisited. Do we, right. Can we tone down the little transparency? Can we get away? Can we get rid of it? Do we continue? What's going on? So that the person sees some light at the end of the tunnel and they don't feel like they, they are the mercy of the other person for the rest of their lives, which is not a good feeling, right? Right. And that's really important, actually, the, the idea that I can do it. OK, I can do it for one week <laughs> and, right. and then we'll we'll revisit it as opposed to getting into a panic about it being violated. That's right. Having privacy violated. That's right. I actually ran into this by accident. Right. So once upon a time, I had a version of this process in place and the person we put the transparency in place as I have been taught and learned. And then the partner that was being transparent was freaking out. And so then I finally understood, like, you know, like, that's just not cool with freaking out this person. Like, we have to take care of both partners, right? And so I learned by by accident, unfortunately, right? So sorry to those couples that back then, um, the time limit's really helpful, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. this process is vetted, right? So that, uh, it's being tweaked over time to take care of all the different pieces that didn't work uh, as uh, as the process was developed, <laughs> if you may. Um, but yeah, so, so a limited time on that is very helpful for the person so they could be transparent and they know that there's light at the end of the tunnel so they feel safe too. Everybody feels safe, right? So this is for everybody. Um, and so I say to them, you want to do this so that your partner doesn't go crazy still looking for information and, and they're up your butt wondering, right? And, and constantly questioning you and looking through your things and whatever. So you want to put it in place so that they're soothed and we give you time time limitation so that you're okay, right? So we take care of both parties, right? Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So then we go into this step six, which is the apology. And this is where people... Um, the person that cheated needs to be really, 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 really amazing um, at not just saying I'm sorry, right? Just just sorry or like I'm sorry that it's not good enough. It needs to include validation and acknowledgement of the pain that they caused, right? So it's not just the I'm sorry words. It's understanding of the impact of what right. happened and apologizing for the impact that they had. Um, and so, that, so it needs to be really pretty and I suggest and usually recommend that it's also done in writing because we hear things, we mishear things, we don't remember, right? So it's nice to have it. And also I say go full out and deliver a beautiful apology in a beautiful way, right? So go all out and really make amends. Um, so it's really meaningful for the other person and you really touch their heart. I also warn the person who's doing the apologizing to not do it too quickly. Of course, you're going to apologize from the beginning if you need to if you, if, and if you can. But at, for the purposes of this step, we don't want to rush this step because the other person right, still right. 
right in, in all the muck and processing and, and organizing and, and trying to get their, their footing and, and understanding the transparency and all these things, um, they might not be able to receive the apology yet, right? So we don't want to rush this step. So what I usually recommend is that the person that got cheated on to give a heads up, like, okay, I'm ready for the apology step, right? So then it could really be well received as opposed to this person puts in all this effort and the other person poops on it, right? Right. And it has to really, like you said before, be deeply felt. Like, I mean, an apology is an interesting thing. I always say it's such a fine line because on one side of the line is I've hurt you and I'm so sorry about that. And on the other side of the line is all you do is criticize me or you're so oversensitive and uh, get over it. So so it's it's such a fine line and you have to really cross that line to the other side and and try to hear the other person. They'll try to really, really have empathy and understand and feel um, that you're sorry that you hurt the other person. Well, 100%. Yeah, so Arlene, just to, to what you just said, I think that by the by the point that the couples get to this juncture, the person that's apologizing, that statement of like, you're so critical, and blah, 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 like that stuff should not be here at this juncture. Right, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so at this point, dude, you did something, you need to apologize for it, right? Like if you do something wrong, you apologize for it. Like there might be a reason for it, but we already understood the context. That's why when we did step four, that was very important, right? We already understood why you did things. We already understood what was happening for both partners. I already know that I'm critical. I already know that I'm demanding. I already know I'm a pain in the butt. So, okay. So now you don't have to bring that to the apology and make your point about how bad I am that you have to go cheat, right? Like, no, right. that's not, that, we're, we're past that. Right. And you can't you can't cross that line. And I always say like, but is a curse word. Like if you start to say, I'm really, really sorry. I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings. But (laughs) forget it. But no, but the curse word. And, you know, you have to stop right there because then you know, that's not an apology. Right. So the understanding of why I did things already happens. Right. And the apology is not part. That's not part of it. We're not explaining why I did something in an apology. I'm just I'm showing you that I get how much I hurt you. That's it. Right. And you may have to do it many times because. Uh, well, that's what we do in writing, right? So the person could have it and they could keep reading it. That's very, very helpful. But of course, you could still continue to show that remorse in that, in that, that, uh, that sorry for, for having been hurtful for sure. Yeah. Right depending upon how much sadness the other person is carrying. Right. And, and uh, you know, yeah, you want to meet that sadness with, with empathy and and sorrow. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. So you put that in the apology too and continue to do it until, until it's received and felt. Yes. Very good. And then that brings us to step seven, which is restitution. And so up to this point, the partner that I got cheated on might be thinking, and I, and I usually tell people all oh, the whole thing that we're going to do. Um, so they, they, they have foresight into, okay, this is a process and I have to hang in here and I, and I will get everything that I need if I'm, if I hang in here. Right. So otherwise they think like this person is getting away with murder. Right. And no, that is not the case. We just have to do things in the right order. So right now, that's what step seven is, it's restitution. Now you make up for the wrongdoing. 
You might have had a reason. That's not the point. You still did something wrong. You could have chosen something else to take care of your needs, right? But this is the choice that you made. Now you need to make up for it. And so restitution is where the person that cheated goes really out of their way to make a splashy impact in making up for their wrongdoing. How, how do you give some examples of how they would do that? So let me give you an example. So one couple, um, so I'd say this, I'll try to kind of teach some things around so, so, they, so they don't recognize themselves if they happen to, to hear this. Um, the, the, they, the partner that cheated did some outings with this person that they loved and the, the person that they fell in love with, that they cheated with, I should say. And when the wife found out what the husband did with this other person, she was enraged that they did this awesome things with this other person. And so she wanted to have the same experience. And she's like, I want that too. And so that was the splashy way, like how much money he spent. And she like calculated all these things, whatever. So she wanted to receive the equivalent of what the other person got. How come she gets all that? So she wanted the same, like that mm-hmm. kind of Okay. And that's romantic, right? That's actually putting, it's that. You choose your person again. Right. And it's doing that thing that you do when you first meet somebody and you have all the novelty and the magic, doing that with your person that you've known for a very long time, like bringing some of that magic back. Oh, so that, that was the lesson. That was the lesson from the affair. <laughs> right. Reinvesting. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So now from here, it's like all the fun things. Right. Can I ask you a question, though? Would you say that the restitution can work the other way, too, where let's say I criticize all the time and I'm pick and I'm, you know, that's part of the reason that my husband might have had an affair. And I'm just making this up. This is not. But um, if then isn't it my responsibility also to do the restitution, to take responsibility for not picking, for not criticizing, for no, maybe. Not no, in my opinion. So? so let me okay. let me tell you this is the feedback. This is what I think about that. I think that we're both to blame for the relationship that we created. Mm-hmm. And we are going to address that in step 10 when we do the transformation. We're both going to f- work on fixing this relationship. Okay, so you're going to put that further down the, the road because I think it is important, but I, I get it. Okay, so. It's not restitution, right? So definitely I'm going to do my side of the work for sure, right? But I don't call it restitution because restitution is making up for wrongdoing. Yeah. You, okay. You know, right? yeah. So, so the restitution is about like, I chose to take care of my needs in a way that's outside of our relationship all your all the wrongdoings that you did were inside the relationship right and so i did stuff stuff inside the relationship too so we're going to work on that but i also went outside i have to make up for that right so that's the restitution it's really concrete to that behavior but of course i mean both partners need to take accountability for what they contributed and fix it right for sure Okay, in in Catholicism, maybe you'd say it's the difference between a venial sin and a mortal sin. (laughs) The restitution is for the mortal sin. Oh, that's awesome. Very good. I love it. (laughs) Very good. So now we get to the pretty stuff. So step eight is the closure ritual where the partners get to put their heads together and come up with a ritual that symbolizes, symbolizes the letting go of this horrible thing that happened to them and of new beginnings. So they could do some kind of a gesture that's meaningful to them that says, okay, we're done with that and we're moving on to more beautiful things. Yeah. Give, give me some examples of how you'd see that. Go into, go into a hot, on a hot air balloon ride. Ah, okay. Right? Or um, getting a new, a new, doing a new commitment ceremony. 
getting rings, getting mm-hmm. tattoos. People do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. It could even be maybe then something simple like every night before breakfast, every night before dinner or every night before bed, we'll light a candle and talk about how much we love each other or something like that. That in my mind is for the actual continuing to enrich the relationship. Right. So right now we want to put this, this, all of this work behind us. I see. So right. see. And then the, what you just said, is just the, the ongoing investment in creating the relationship. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's part of that. Right. That's more of a moving forward than a closure. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that brings us to step nine, which is mindset. And here is where people clean up their beliefs around relationship commitments and the, the purpose of the relationship, the meaning of it, the, how valuable and what a gift their partner is to them, how things happen to them for a reason, why this affair happened for a reason and what they're learning from this and what they could, how they could use this and how we are allies and not enemies. And we're working against right. our dynamics and everything else. Right. So they hear the cleanup and they realign, they position themselves as like, we're a strong unit and we're going to create an amazing relationship going forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that brings us to actually the, the, creating an amazing relationship from here, which is step 10. And this is the transformation. And this is where they get to identify more deeply what their wounds are, what their needs are, what their desires and preferences are for each other. And how do I meet my needs? And how do I stretch to meet your needs? And how do you meet your needs? And how do you stretch to meet my needs? And how we create a beautiful flow? And how do we put in connection rituals and habits throughout the day to continue to enrich the relationship and, and not create more nonsense and a fair proof a relationship so that we don't ever find ourselves in this position again, right? How are we preventative of putting a knife to the bond, of neglecting each other or criticizing each other or shaming each other, of not getting our needs met or not having our own, our own back or each other's backs? Right. And so this is where the work happens in strengthening the couple and right, putting right. all the good things in there to take care of them and create something amazing. And I always think it's important not only to not do something like to not shame, but to um, to have a space, whether it's every day or a couple of times a week or once a week, where you really say uh, we you get to express what hurt you that week or what you, what you wish would have happened or um, yeah. What, what you're reacting to that you're not saying and you're holding on to. Mm. So like to, to let it out. So it doesn't become something that festers. And, um, and then again, the more it festers, the more you get a sense of justification or righteousness. That's right. To, to act out or to just to be right. That's right. Very good. Yeah. So I call those things connection habits, right? So whether it's, you know, the, the morning coffee, the chicken during the day, the debrief at the end of the day, that's what you're talking about, right? So what came up for me today? What came up for you? They would trigger each other. What else do we need to know? How do we get on the same page? Um, then couple times, sexy time, date night, like all the different ways to enrich the relationship so they nurture each other and themselves in the relationship. And to really make them part of the relationship. And like you see, you're calling it a connection habit, but to really make it something that like, it's so easy for the relationship when it's ongoing to fall into the background. And then all the, the pressure and stress of daily life goes into the foreground. And when you're first meeting somebody, what goes into the foreground is the relationship. Mm -hmm. So you want to reclaim that, right? That focus 
and not let the relationship go into the background. That's right. And, and yeah. And so the, that kind of a little ritual really helps to do that. It keeps it sacred, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have to keep in my book, like we have to keep enriching it, nurturing it. Um, I, I call this a relationship enrichment lifestyle, right? So where you always prioritize the relationship to the best of your ability. Um, you're always investing in it. You're always adding to it. You're always taking care of your partner, right? You're always adding things to it. And the little gifts, speaking your partner's love language, tending to their needs, addressing the triggers, like you've always been engaged with it, right? A relationship is like a plant. If you don't water it, it dies. So right. you have to keep watering it. And, what, you know, let me ask you this, like uh, in terms of um, some of the precipitants that might cause an affair, I, you know, one of them, of course, could be work and, and the focus that somebody puts on work. Like you said, work can almost be like an affair. But another could be having a child or children. And the, the focus when you when you're when you in your relationship, initially, the focus is the two people are totally focused on each other. And then this like wonderful creature comes <laughs> that you both adore, but the focus can go to that little person instead of, and you know, the couple, one or both members of the couple can feel they've lost the other one. Right. So really to be aware of that, I think when a child comes into the mix, the child should be the thing that really brings you together and bonds you and uh, that you share and have fun with and <laughs> focus on together and not something that can make you grow apart what a good observation right and good 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 uh um piece to bring to this juncture i think that um that is so common like most of the people that are coming to mind who had a fair who had a fair i mean i have a gazillion stories right but all the ones that are coming to mind right now just because of what you said um they cheated when the women were pregnant and when they had newborns right that's 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 the risky time usually of course it happens at all times too but that time, oof. Um, so it's just unfortunate because you're creating something so beautiful. And, and it's a kicker for me when people are trying to get pregnant and the person goes to have an affair with somebody else and they get pregnant. It's like, what, like, oh, what no. are you doing? <laughs> I've never had that happen. Oh, I had it a bunch of times. It's like, wow, really? So people come through infertility, infertility treatment and all this kind of stuff. And, and the other person's coming out of fear. So, I mean, they're doing all this stuff outside. It's like really tricky, right? Right. So, no, it's really, it's really painful. The, 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 the pressure sometimes to get pregnant can be so painful and it can yeah. make a man feel um, like, like he's a, like a, just an, an earth, like an, an agent or, a, you know, a functionary and not really um you know, a love object anymore. He's just this person who's supposed to deposit sperm in, into yep. a vagina. Yep. And, um, and not only that, and potentially what if they're having a hard time getting pregnant and it's not anything with the woman, right? So then all the manhood gets put in question. And so, I mean, all kinds of things. Right, right. right. It, can, it can cause a lot of problems when, it, when it's not smooth and seamless. And it's not always smooth and seamless for sure. That's right. Yeah, so absolutely. I love what you said earlier. Like, you know, a new little baby is amazing. And the parents, of course, love the baby. Um, but as most of us know, it is very challenging to have a newborn. And it's very demanding. And the couple usually falls through the wayside unless people are extremely intentional. Um, and that's the key, right? Just intentionality. It's not about the quantity of time. It's just about the quality and the intention. Um, so having a baby doesn't have to destroy you. Um, people don't look at it that way, but that's usually 
not usually, but that's a lot of times a result because people don't do this right, right? And then it creates more problems for the family. And so just being intentional and mindful and proactive, that's all, right? It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be so challenging. Like sometimes we just make it challenging. Right. And it goes both ways. It's like the, well, like in this case with a child, the father has to be the one who says, I need you to pay attention to me or I want to be part. Can I give the baby a bottle once in a while <laughs> instead right. of just you only doing the breastfeeding? Like the, the father has to be the one that asserts his need. And the woman, I guess, has to be aware of that there are two people or could be more than two, but. Um, very hard, right? Because the demands on the women when, when we first give birth, my goodness, right? So that's very challenging. Right, right. And so, and so demanding. feels left out and the baby has needs. I mean, it's just a challenging time, right? But again, mm-hmm. like, I think that was just with mindfulness, everybody's needs can be met, right? Right. And there's certainly enough. If you, if you really work on it, there's enough excitement and energy to create a bond rather than a, a separation. But you right. just need to be aware of it and create that love and connection and excitement and shared joy That's instead right. of separate separateness. And pain and exhaustion, which, you know, those things were going to come. So if you're not mindful, you know, that, that doesn't have to be the only experience. You could have the other side too. Right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, any any questions about any of the steps or anything else about the context of infidelity and and, and how to do the work or what we want to recommend for people? I mean, I just think one of the most important things to keep in mind is that it happens. It happens for a reason. It, it's not. It doesn't happen at, in a vacuum, mm-hmm. and that in this paradoxical way, it becomes the agent to really heal what was going on and actually possibly potentially create a much deeper and more meaningful connection. So it, it, it's, yeah. So those are, those are the two things that I think are really important to keep in mind. Yeah. And, uh, and it, and it can, it can deepen a relationship, deepen a connection. Um, yeah. Because when you've grown apart, you stop connecting and sharing feeling. And, and this certainly creates the ground to share feeling and the, and the ground for empathy to emerge and both ways. Cause again, if I hurt you, but you hurt me and, you know, it goes both ways eventually. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And also the fact that, that a couple was able to get over something like this and be able to repair the relationship. That is just, such an accomplishment as a, as a couple and as a relationship, Give, getting over that hurdle and learning from that experience and using it to create something better. Right. Oof, right. Amazing. So that's, that's why I call it then from discovery to thriving in love, because the possibilities are actually good, right. That, that because of you went through this experience, you could actually create something really amazing. Right. So that is remarkable. You know, the other thing also, I, you know, cause we talked about a child that, the thing that might create the motivation to um, to work on the relationship it's it's the re, it's the the two people that are in the relationship initially, but often it can also be the very thing that may have created the distance. Like if you have a family with several children or one child, even whatever, you've created this amazing um, unit. You've created this amazing magical <laughs> uh, system, and there's a you both want to protect it and save it and, and uh, value it and 
cherish it. So it, it's it's it can be bigger than the two people, and wow. and can also serve as a motivation. If you know, and it's not always there. There's not always children involved, but when there are, that's a real motivation to work to keep this thing that we've created, uh, this new world, really uh, together. Yeah. But that is, um, I think that's one of the most important to me takeaways is the thing that causes the most harm can also create the most gain. Yeah, 100%. So my last words are that I, if this is something that, that you're going through, if you're listening to this, that it's not the end of the world, you could look at this as a sign that in, in a prompt to invest in your relationship differently and that you have the potential to create something really awesome and that you can if you want to. Right. Right. Okay. So um, is there anything else before we end? Because I think they're, they're telling us that we have to. <laughs> so the last thing that I would offer is, is that people are interested in reading more about enriching the relationship that they could check out my blog metrorelationship.com forward slash blog um, and we actually are having a 30 day summer challenge going on where it's free it's just for, for fun where people could just do a little challenge and um, reprogram their ego patterns to get out of their own way so whatever noise they're experiencing in their relationship or in their lives through a 30-day challenge they could help themselves reprogram that and get out of their own way so they could cool and you know what emma i'll put a link on my website to it also awesome (laughs) that would be great um okay so thank you so much and i will be we'll be in touch about listening and and staying connected so thank you that's good thank you so much for having me early it's been a pleasure Thank you for tuning in to Ask Arlo. Arlene Majorano has another episode of the podcast coming soon. So keep checking back on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be sure to visit askarlo.com to ask questions and to find out more about the show. Until our next show, keep finding new ways to renew the relationships in your life. <laughs>